Hello and welcome to Seen Them Given, the, the show that looks at the laws of the game and the referees who enforce them. This week, a referee has been so wrong in law, a match in the USA is going to be partially replayed. A, a weekend with heavy VAR involvement. Did they get it all right? We'll discuss some of the major talking points from the Premier League this weekend. And was some dangerous play missed? by officials this weekend too. We'll get into that. Uh, I'm Mike McCarthy, a football journalist, uh, well, the equivalent of a pub lawyer in these sort of conversations when it comes to refereeing. With me, a man who knows how to straighten out all the decisions we've been debating in the pub, former FIFA referee and ex-head of the PGMOL, Keith Hackett. Uh, Now, if you're listening to the podcast version of the show and wondering why we're sounding a bit different, certain logistical issues I won't bore you with mean we're recording on a Twitter space this week. It does mean if you're listening live and you want to ask a question, then you can. We'll open it up later to questions. Just let us know if you want to do that. Uh, Keith, shall we start in the United States then? I- I've got this Absolutely. report here from the Trib Live headline, Riverhounds game to be partially replayed due to officiating error. Uh, this is the story as is. In a stunning turn of events, the USL Championship admitted an egregious officiating error and ruled that last Saturday's match between Pittsburgh Riverhounds and Miami FC will be replayed from the 67th minute with the Riverhounds holding a 1-0 lead. The game, which originally ended in a 0-0 draw, will resume at 7pm on Wednesday in Miami. On the play in question, Miami's Devon Speedy Williams took a free kick about 35 yards from his own net, playing the ball to defender Janos Loeb, not sure if I pronounced that right, but we're going to go with that, who nonchalantly passed the ball backwards towards goalkeeper Connor Sparrow. The Miami netminder wasn't prepared for the back pass, however, and the ball slid by his outstretched right foot and inside the post for what looked like an embarrassing own goal. After a long discussion, referee Jonathan Belinsky awarded the Riverhounds a corner kick, which would have been correct if Miami had inadvertently sent the free kick directly into its own net without anyone playing it first. The USL Professional Referees Organisation and International Football Association Board conducted an investigation of the play and ruled that an egregious error and misapplication of the FIFA laws of the game occurred the investigation found no evidence of max fixing or impropriety. This is quite a staggering thing, Keith. What do you make of it all? Well, I think the referees clearly uh, had a had a, a sort of loss of concentration or a weakness in law knowledge. The, the simple facts are, as you've outlined, if you award a free kick to the defending team and that defender then, for whatever reason, kicks it directly into goal, let's say he's passing back to the goalkeeper who does miss it, and it goes into the back of the net, then amazingly, in law, that is a corner kick. But here we're talking about a player who's actually passed the ball to a colleague who's then put it into the goal. And, you know, the referee's been caught out. Uh, he's been caught out with perhaps a lack of law knowledge or uh, trying to be too creative, um, decides, well, if this happens then it's a corner kick and he's, he's expanded the situation and made it pretty worse. Um, so I, I think that they've left the authorities with no alternative other than to restart the game at the point at which the error was made. Now, the arrangements for that are quite massive, really, because they've got to ensure, I think, that both teams are play- have got the same set of players that the substitutions that have taken place are, have been clearly recorded and that everything is identical to the time at which this error was made. Now, not only think of that, but then you've got 
the fans, are they going to be let into the ground? Would it be free for them to come in and watch final 30 minutes? Um, what about all the costs involved? The, you know, the, the people, the security, the police, the, the food and everything that goes. So it's, um, it, it's quite um, an error by the referee that's compounded by the level in which he is refereeing. Now, there's, I thought, well, this is going to be a pretty rare incident. And then I remembered something from the dim distant past, uh, April 2015. And this was England women under 19s and a penalty against Norway. I don't know if you remember this one, Keith, but England women had to retake a penalty in injury time. So they had to bring everybody back the next day. They were 2 1 down England. Um, UEFA mm. ordered the penalty to be retaken because of a refereeing error. Uh, the German referee disallowed a Leah Williamson goal from the penalty spot because of approachment by England players. She awarded a free kick to Norway when, under the laws, the penalty should have been retaken. I mean, it, yeah. it shows how rare this is. I've had to go back six years to find another example of this sort of thing happening. But I guess the, the interesting thing is, you know, we, we all learn when we start the game that the referee's decision is final, except when it's so badly wrong that it isn't the final decision. I think that what it demonstrates is that the fact that you think that you're alone out there in the middle and nobody's watching, uh, when in fact, if the game is televised or recorded or filmed, and a lot of games now are, are filmed and recorded, uh, that these types of things can happen. They are rare, but it does show the responsibility on the referee to actually continue always to learn the laws of the game, understand their application. And it's a continual process. A referee, no matter how long you've been refereeing, is in that continual learning process. And uh, if you suddenly get careless um, and you forget an aspect of law, then, then you're in trouble. And it's easily done. You know, if you don't review each season the law changes that are made, then you can be caught out uh, quite easily. Let's go and take a look at then the action in the Premier League this weekend, uh, Keith. Um, we'll start, I guess, with uh, the game that everyone is talking about at the moment. Manchester nil, Liverpool 5. Anthony Taylor in charge of this one. One of those games where I don't think it mattered who refereed it. The, the result uh, and the big decisions wouldn't have impacted the outcome. But there were a couple of big calls for Anthony Taylor to make. Uh, first, Paul Pogba, a red card for a high challenge on Naby Keita after an on-field review. What did you make of this one? Well, I think that we've got to understand that the referee's only got one view and um, he's made his judgment. His judgment on his first view was that this is a yellow card. It's reckless. I was a little bit surprised because I thought he jumped in quickly, but he's made his decision. And then, thankfully, the VAR suggests to him that he needed to look at the uh, pitch side. Now, when we consider what we've gone through in the Premier League in the last two years... And the Premier League referees, PGMOL, uh, operating VAR against, if you like, almost the criteria of IFAB. Now we're operating IFAB regulations, if you like. And as a consequence, Taylor went straight to the screen. It was a quick look. He got the view that we'd all, that he probably didn't have. And as soon as he saw that clarity, came back, took out the yellow card, of course, which is the process, did the cross-hand signal to indicate this is now withdrawn and then produced the red. So at the end of the day, 
this for me was a good piece of officiating by the team and obviously a very good example how VAR should be used. Pogba has no, and the club have no queries about this because simply he'd launched himself two feet first, he was out of control, it was uh, excessive force, it endangered the safety of an opponent and there's a fine line between frustration and malice here and therefore I think, you know, it, did, it demanded in law and got the appropriate action. Sad to see the Liverpool player stretch it off. Now, that challenge is one that I did see on the way back from Brentford Leicester today. I haven't seen a challenge from Ronaldo, which has had some discussion. Um, what's happened yeah. here, Keith? And, and is he a lucky boy as well? Well, I think that what we've got is we've got a Liverpool player with a ball close to his body. Ronaldo is moving towards him from the rear and tries to kick the ball around his body. He, he makes an attempt, but he's nowhere near it. The player it drops to the ground, the Liverpool player, and then the ball rests um, at stomach level. So he's in a, he's in a, a crouching position, if you like, laid down, uh, a fetal position, really, and, and the ball's there. And Ronaldo kicks at the ball at times, and he is kicking at the ball and not, not the, the player. And I've got to commend here that Taylor was quickly in. He could have really got nasty. And he decided that the ball really was um, an, an excuse for not giving a, a red. So, Ronaldo, I think many referees would be split on this. Some referees would give a red. I'd support the yellow to some degree. But again, I think the real bit here was Taylor got in quickly and prevented an escalation, what I think might well have become a mass confrontation. So I'll go slightly with Taylor on what he's done. I think many referees will. But I think there are some who have clearly emailed me already and said this has to be a red. So this is one of those decisions where you're in the middle of the field, you're refereeing a very big game. Believe me, I've refereed Manchester United, Liverpool. It's it's a bit extra special normally. and But they're getting absolutely trundled. And... Um, it, it's almost a one-sided affair. And I, and I think that that might have prompted uh, Taylor to say, I'll give some benefit of doubt to, uh, to Ronaldo. Interestingly, uh, particularly, as you mentioned, with the game being such a one-sided contest, particularly in the last sort of half an hour or so, it was almost as if Manchester United had, had partially given up and there were passages of play where Liverpool were essentially passing the ball about and keeping hold of it for what appeared like endless stretches of time. Keeping concentration as a referee in a in a, uh, a game that has kind of deteriorated like that and is, is almost not a contest anymore. How, how challenging might that have been for Anthony Taylor? Well, I think he's a referee that's matured dramatically in the last uh, 18 months and, and is one of our top referees without question. In fact, world-class referees. He will have held his concentration because, you know, if referees are doing the they're getting paid for 90 minutes plus. And remember, he started the game. And, you know, we all view the game starting immediately that first whistle blows. But a referee started a couple of hours before. He's had meetings with security. Uh, he's understanding where the spectators are, what the processes and procedures are. And during the course of the game, he's got to have heightened levels of awareness. He already knows that he's in for a big game. Immediately, anybody that's appointed to this match has got a challenge. Um and I think he sustained that concentration. He, he 
you have to do a lot of talking. It's the simple truth is that you, you may get players whose temperature and concentration goes, they get frustrated, and you've got to be in and around, perhaps uh, having a chat, making them aware that you're there. So this is about refereeing a contest that, you know, others might have seen, well, this is the end of it, it's 5-0 and that's the end of the match. But hey, in the game of football, not until that final whistle is blown. And then after the final whistle, you've got to maintain concentration in case anything blows up after that final whistle. I've just added uh, Martin into the conversation here. Uh, Martin, if you if you want to ask a question, just unmute yourself and um, the floor is yours. I think both referees were right in the Man United game. Um, and I understand where you know, the thoughts are from other referees that the, the, the Ronaldo one may have been wrong. But you think there's a bit of a Ronaldo in that? That it was Ronaldo. Another player may not have uh, getting the same uh, sort of loyalty, if you like, from the referee. I think that you know, it doesn't matter who the player is, to be honest. What you have to do is judge the incident. Um, and we've got to also take into account that uh, Taylor, part of it may well have covered by the back, if you like, of, of Ronaldo again. So, in part, he's covering the situation. And he may not have seen it fully. The one thing he did see was that Ronaldo was actually trying to play the ball. Um, now, what he's got to judge here is... Was there excessive force and was the, the action by the player, did it endanger the safety of the Liverpool player? And that's that's a finite judgment on this one. And as I've already said, and I'm not sitting on the fence, I never do that. I'd support Taylor on this one um, because I think his intervention, which was quick, helped the process. Had he sat, had he sat off and, you know, you make assumptions, but... Given on years of experience, I suggest that he'd done nothing or had he sit, sat off and not blown the whistle or, or taken the action that he did, then I think it would have escalated. So, me, he, got, he was spot on with Pogba. Referees will make up their mind as to whether it's a red for Ronaldo. Um, I think I just tend towards thinking I'll give the benefit of doubt because the ball was being played and it was stuck. But, hey, it was it was a tight call, believe me or not. It was a tight call. Martin, thanks very much for your question. If you want to raise your hand, we'll try and bring you in as we go through the show this evening. Um, can I ask you about Leeds against Wolves? Robert Jones in charge of this one at uh, the weekend, Keith. Uh, a challenge from Sice. Could he have seen a red card for the uh, the tackle on Rafinha? Oh, this was red. Uh, I think this was an easy red. I think it was, uh, again, I think it was excessive force. I think uh, it endangered the safety of an opponent. Um I don't know what the referee was doing. And then I, I can, where was VAR? Again, having a cup of tea, I think. You know, the, the difficulties, I think, here is um, with a lighter touch, I think it's very evident that, that VARs have been told, look, you will only come in on what you consider to be a clear and obvious error. Now, the replay to me and the first incident was, you know, this was a red card and VAR should have come in. I would have liked Robert Jones to have had the opportunity to to review it, but he wasn't given that. And it, it's it's an incident that was missed. And I think that's sad because Sice has got away with not receiving a red card. One well, that the uh, VAR should have come in for then. Um, I wanted to ask you about protection for goalkeepers. Uh, Kevin Friend 
uh, deciding that Sanchez needed no protection at all, uh, there wasn't a foul on him. And I, I think I must say I largely agree with him uh, in the build-up to Manchester City's first goal at Brighton at the weekend. So many times, Keith, we will see that blown as a free kick. But were you pleased that Kevin Friend let it go? Yes, I was. Uh, I think that, you know, this is a game of contact and we've got to remember that. Uh, and what the referee's got to judge is, is it a foul or not? And is it a careless challenge? Uh, or has contact been made? Uh, so for me, I think that uh, he judged it right. I think there are some times when goalkeepers look for too much protection. Um, but, you know, and, and, and Mo, yeah, I think the referee, Kevin Friend, got that one right. Um, now, a couple of weeks ago at Chelsea, there was a debate about uh, how far back a VAR should be able to go to review whether a foul in the build-up to a goal ultimately was worth ruling the, chalking the goal out for. Uh, Brighton's, uh, well, consolation, uh, so it's not a massive talking point in this in this game from the weekend, but there is an offside in the build-up to the Brighton penalty and it didn't seem to me to be that far back in the move. So, so what did you make of that one, Keith? Well, I think VAR didn't come in on that and, and I was rather surprised because it, it was offside and I think it should have been called. Again, I'd make the point, it doesn't matter what the score was at the time. Um, what you've got to do is make certain that decisions that accrue are accurate ones. And I think it, I don't think there was a massive gap. It, there, there was a, an offside, I think, that wasn't given. And therefore, I think it should have, I think that one should have been chalked off. Russ, let's bring Russ in here. Hey, Russ. Hi, Mike. Hi, Keith. You okay, guys? Hi, Good. Fine, what do you want to say tonight? Hi, Keith. I was at the Leeds United game yesterday and uh, the force after the game from Bruno Large, the Wolves manager, on the Leeds United penalty decision that we got yesterday at Ellen Road. He said that penalty decision was soft. And I'm just wondering, what did you think to the award of that penalty for Leeds? Because for me, I've, as, I was at the other end of the ground from where it happened. So I was seeing it back on you on YouTube or Skype up after the game on Sky Sports YouTube. And I thought it was a definite penalty because you saw Nelson Semedo put his arm up to pull Gellar's arm back and then put his arm into the back of Gellar as well. So just wondering, what did you think to the award of that penalty for Leeds United yesterday, Keith? Well, I thought the referee got it. I mean, what I think managers have to understand, yes, it's a contact sport, but, you know, a careless challenge by a player is is a foul. And therefore, I I, I listened to what he had to say and I'm thinking... Have you actually seen the video replay? Maybe you should have had another look because I, I thought the referee was right. It was a penalty kick. And um, and I don't know what the manager was going on about, to be honest. But, but then that might be frustration. Uh, I'm, with, I'm with you, Russ, entirely. I think that's a pen. And uh, Gelhart certainly looks like a very exciting talent as well uh, for Leeds United. What a, what a, what a weekend he's had. Um, can yeah. we talk Crystal Palace, Newcastle? Uh, Darren England in charge of this one, Keith. Uh, now, there's a yeah. new player who almost had his head taken off by a high boot in this game. Um, and I think you've got some strong thoughts about this one. Well, you know, we're playing football and we have to take into account that a player has a duty of care towards an opponent. I think we've You've heard that said before. Um, yes, he's clearing the ball, but he knows that he's being chased down by an opponent and his foot is almost higher than his own body when he, when he takes that kick. And, of course, it makes contact with his opponent's head. And I'm just bemused by the fact that it, it seemed to be all overlooked. And, um, 
I think he's a very lucky boy. There was a game, I think, earlier in the week when it may have been overseas where I saw it, where the foot did come in, it was high, and he got a red card, the player. And I think that in this occasion, um, the player was lucky not to get a red card, you know, in that situation. I've seen it said somewhere before, and, and apologies if I'm plagiarising this from someone I've seen this week, actually, Keith, but it's just it's just in my mind at the moment. Almost if you're going to foul someone on a football pitch, do it almost in such an unusual way that the officials might not quite clock what to do next, just because it's it's so uh, unusual. Well, it's a, it's a, <laughs> the, the, the reality of that, Mike, is that um, when you see a referee that's operating at football league level, invariably he's had 10, 15 years of experience and therefore he's gathered that experience and can apply it on the field of play. So, yeah, I think we do see cunning tricks we treat we see tricks being being applied at times and sometimes you know the coaches do try to catch referees out on this one i think we've just got to determine the pjmol uh, with their referees what is acceptable in this situation and then have a uniform interpretation across all the select group one referees and those that operate in the football league and championship so that we as spectators if you like understand there's a consistency about when the boot comes into contact with the head of an opponent. I don't think the head of this opponent was actually, you know, stumbling down forward. I think he was uh, fairly upright. It was very high and he caught him. The other incident from this game uh, where I think we have to give uh, full praise to the VAR is Benteke thinking he'd won it for Crystal Palace, but uh, a very clear shirt pull on the replays, um, meaning that he got the space to get that header in the first place and uh, VAR doing its job, Keith. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I think there's no doubt for me, Mike, there's two things that's happening. I think the Premier League, the PGML, the appointment process by Mike Riley, I think I think at last he's decided he's going to operate very similar to a football league manager or a Premier League manager. And that is select your best team. So we're in week nine now and there's a consistency of the group of referees that he's operating with. And he's been very careful where, if you like, that second and third tier of referees, those that are learning the craft or those that are out of form are going to be appointed to games. Now, when it comes to VAR, there's no doubt in my mind that now he's operating closer to the IFAB criteria, if not in line with the IFAB criteria, then I think that we're seeing a much improved uh, process from them as well. Uh, now, I, I swear to you, it's not just because I was spotted a Chelsea fan enter the, the, the space here, but we were going to come on to Chelsea 7, Norwich nil next, and Andy Madley in charge of this one. Uh, a couple of things struck me about this, uh, other than the fact that Norwich are absolutely hopeless, Keith. Um, Norman, the uh, Norwich midfielder, he gets a yellow card for a handball, which effectively prevents the ball from going in the net. And I immediately thought, well, why just a yellow? Uh, yeah. Have they got that wrong, or is the law being applied correctly? And as is very possible, I just don't know it. Well, the law is, is quite clear; it's not changed. Um, the denial of an obvious goal by a deliberate hand ball is, in fact, a red card offence. Now, it, 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 what he's looking for is there any defenders around? Not the goalkeeper. Is there any defenders around that that may gain possession or may put in a challenge? But I think this player was very lucky to stay on. Um, it was deliberate handball. I agree with that. He made his body shape. And therefore, in, in that sense, he's heading for goal. And some surprise that, that he stayed on the field of play. Uh, maybe uh, 
you know, Andrew Madley is again uh, fairly new to the Premier League, but but I think having a very good season, and hopefully he'll review that uh, and and probably even discuss with his brother Bobby, um, so that next time round he's he's got a better better understanding of what is and what isn't uh, a red card in that situation. Certainly no complaints about the uh, second yellow for Gibson and Norwich reduced to 10 in that one. Uh, also, a penalty retaken after Timble uh, went off his line. And we're seeing this less and less. Goalkeepers appear to have got used to this now, Keith, but not on this occasion. No, and I think he was right to order the retake. Um, he was well off his line. I th- I th- you know, we use the word substantial, and I think that was the case. So they were alert to that. VAR was alert to that. And therefore, I think, again... Good operation, good use of uh, the, the match officials looking in the round to make certain uh, the penalty kick is, is applied in law correctly. Now, being right in law is something Craig Pawson had to be on Friday night. Arsenal 3, Aston Villa 1. A penalty awarded after a VAR review just before half-time and some confusion about whether the half-time whistle had been blown or not. Let's just clear this up, Keith, because there were some questions about it. What has happened just in this game right before half-time? Right, so we're in added time and the the clock is ticking down. Penalty kick is taken, it's saved, and then on the rebound, put into the back of the net. Goal allowed. And the reason he's allowed it, and everybody should be aware, is that Pawson then goes to the centre circle and restarts the game. So there's then no confusion in my mind because if we're into um, extended time, that is, the game is over, the 90 minutes plus have, have expended, then in that situation, if the goalkeeper saves, at that point that he makes a save, that's the end. So that, that's the con- that was the confusion. The, the, the view was, just a minute, we're so close to the end of the game, surely on that first save, that's the end. The rebound doesn't count. And I think most people, as I understand it, in the thought that was the case. But then the signal from a refereeing perspective is he's gone to the halfway line and he's restarted the game. That is an indication from Craig Pawson that he's, he's made the right call. He's, he's uh, in a way, got himself out of jail by going to the centre circle and restarting the play. So, therefore, uh, play is allowed to continue immediately. The, the goalkeeper is saved. And uh, the rebound is put into the back of the net. A couple more games I want to look at you, uh, look at Keith, before we go. Uh, I should just say, if you want to ask a question, just raise your hand and we'll bring you into the conversation. Uh, West Ham Spurs from Sunday afternoon. Paul Tierney in charge of this one. A few Spurs fans unhappy that Ndombele, who went down in the box under a challenge, didn't get a penalty kick. Was this a pen? I've looked at this um, and, you know, I, I have split views about it. I think that was the player looking for the penalty kick and how was the challenge made? I, I think if a penalty kick would have, had have been awarded, it would have been a pretty soft one. But then I go back to law and I think to myself, just a minute, it's a, is, it, is it a careless challenge? And, and therefore, this is down, and I'm not, again, trying to sit on the fence. If I think that's a careless challenge, I'm giving the penalty kick. If I think that this is a little bit the player looking for it and going down before contact is made, then I'm not. I, I would not have been surprised had a penalty kick been awarded. And in terms of making that call, are you looking for you know the telltale straightening of a leg, for example, before a challenge is made? 
does that sort of thing play into a referee's mind when deciding whether a player is, for want of a better phrase, looking for a, a free kick or a, a penalty? I think that what you're doing is you're looking in the round. I think the important thing is that you're also looking for any upper body contact. Because I think if, if I look at a lot of decisions in football generally, I think a lot of referees are missing upper body fouls because they're concentrating at feet level, below waist and down, rather than body as a whole. Um, yeah, there are a lot of indicators. The player who is going down before the player's anywhere near in the zone within a matter of inches away, um, and how strong is the contact? But again, I think we've got to understand that a careless challenge is a foul. And I think the, def- the, the defender was a little bit careless. And yes, the player goes down. So I, I would not have been surprised a penalty kick being a soft one, but then it's a penalty. That, that's, that's down to the defender to come in. I think what I was telling here, the VAR didn't come in because he didn't think the referee had made a clear and obvious error. So the VAR supported the referee. Last one I wanted to ask you about, and I wonder how much of this is a group of officials just making life a little bit easier for themselves by going one way with a decision rather than another. This is Darren Drysdale and his uh, team of officials at Sunderland against Charlton. Uh, Charlton 1-0 winners thanks to uh, a goal midway through the second half from Jaden Stockley. The way the goal goes in, if you haven't seen it, it's uh, a header from Stockley, which is going towards goal. Uh, Luco 9 of uh, Sunderland tries to keep the ball out on the line using his arm, but the referee decides it's already gone in and therefore it's not a handball, it's just a goal. Have you ever been tempted in a situation like that, Keith, to go, you know what, I don't want to be handing out a red card, giving a penalty, causing all sorts of uh, issues and giving the goal is the easier decision to make? Uh, Answer no, Uh, because I think that is uh, potentially exposes you to to the word cheating. Um, I think that when we referee the game, we have to be neutral and uh, we have to rely on players playing within the laws of the game and having the knowledge. So if a defender, you know, okay, I think people put it under this banner of common sense, but in reality, he's attempted to stop the ball going into goal. I'm assuming then that the ball has gone over the line and the goal has been scored rather than He's prevented the goal and it's not gone in. So for me... Yeah, he's, he's not succeeded in preventing the ball crossing yeah, the right. line, then, according to the officials. Right. OK, in that situation, then, he's got to have a yellow card for his offence because he, he's, 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 he's committed an act of unsporting behaviour, which, which is a yellow card offence. But I, I think that there's, there may well have been some relief uh, on Darren Drysdale's uh, face that the players missed saving it, but I hope he gave a yellow card. I'm just looking now at the uh, at the BBC match report, and it appears Luca Nine was not booked yeah. for reference. But there we go. Well, then, if I was assessing uh, Darren Drysdale, I'd be critical of that of that incident in terms of his officiating, and he would be down marked for not applying the law. Now, one thing we always like to do on the show, Keith, is to uh, hand out some praise where praise is due. Uh, what were the performances you've seen this week that uh, particularly stand out? Well, I think uh, Paul Tierney is um, refereeing really well. Um, and, I, and I, you know, he goes about his job in a very uh, sort of low profile way. I'd certainly like to hand out praise. I, I was lucky because I go back to Chesterfield versus Boreham Wood, and the referee was a young guy called Lewis Smith. Now, he may have missed one or two upper body fouls. With, 
that's probably why it's at the forefront of uh, my mind. But I think on a game that was a top-of-the-table clash that he officiated really well, fit, mobile, took up some really good positions, worked well with his colleagues. And I came away thinking, yes, it's a referee that's learning his craft, but one that's got great potential. And I just, if, if Lewis is listening in, and he may be, or he gets uh, a feed of what I'm saying, then I hope that, in fact, if you like, gives him that extra drive and enthusiasm to reach the upper level of, of the Premier League at some point in his career. Keith, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. I should say, if you're listening on the on the Twitter space and you're wondering what's this podcast, it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Just do a search for the Seen Them Given. And if you've got a question during the week uh, that you want us to raise on the show, our email is hello at seenthemgiven.co.uk. You can send uh, anything you like to our Twitter address as well, at seen underscore them underscore given. Uh, thanks very much for, for being with us this week. Uh, there are new episodes of Seen Them Given every Monday on your podcast player. And if you've enjoyed the show, Please give us a rating review wherever you get your podcasts. It would help other people to discover us. For now, though, thanks so much for your company, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Mike.